Welcome back to Inside the Daily Press. I'm Todd James, and I'm joined with our editor, Matt Hall. We're continuing our election podcast series. Today, we have another city council candidate, Todd Mensch. Todd is one of the three challengers who's not part of a slate. And Matt, what else can you tell us about Todd? Uh, so he he's an OPA resident, um, and you know his he's, a lot of his priorities are going to sound similar to a lot of the other candidates. You know, people are concerned about crime and economic development and homelessness, and so he's he he doesn't necessarily have any out of left field craziness. Um, you know, he's a very very much someone who's looked at the city and lived here for several years and has you know, seen and experienced all the things everyone else has. Um, so he's, you know, I don't think there's anything super surprising about his candidacy, but it's an example of somebody who's just been, you know, it's sort of inspired to run by recent events. And he's not really connected to any of the organizations in town. You know, a lot of the, that's why he's not part of a slate and not necessarily affiliated with everyone else. But you know, someone who absolutely has thoughts and opinions on the way things should run and, you know, approaches them from a very reasonable and rational perspective. Great. Okay. Well, let's listen to Matt Hall and Todd Mensch. All right, folks, we're here with Todd Mensch, who is a city council candidate. Uh, Todd, thank you very much for being here. We appreciate you taking the time. Um, why don't you take a couple minutes now and uh, introduce yourself to listeners and let everyone know who you are and why you're running for city council. Thank you, Matt, and thanks to the Santa Monica Daily Press for doing this. Always appreciate the invaluable resource you are to the community. Um, so uh, my name is Todd Mensch. I've been a 20-plus year resident of Santa Monica in the Ocean Park community. Um, I've always been politically active. I've often been told by uh, family and friends and people I know in the Santa Monica area through the American Youth Soccer Organization that I should do something like this and run for council. Um, And then when the pandemic hit and I lost over half of my business um, projects in the digital media space, but particularly websites and the such, I focused on the retail area and that just got obliterated. serendipity of sorts uh, got the email notification that this was opening up and I thought well I've got a little free time people always told me I should do this why don't I actually go ahead and take some action so that's what I've been doing and I've really enjoyed it Uh, it's been a fun enlightening process Um, I've helped out on congressional campaigns honestly since my high school years um, right on through college and like I said I've always been politically active but it's a whole nother level when you're actually running a campaign Um, I haven't taken a single dollar from anyone, although it has been offered. I decided to completely, quote-unquote, self-fund and self-run for a wide variety of reasons. But uh, that's been both a challenge and a a freeing aspect in and of itself. Um, But that's also been a part of the, oh, wow, I have to do all of these things, um, which someone who takes on help and takes takes money um, probably doesn't have to deal with that quite as much. Although, you know, it's just going to be uh, difficult no matter what. Um, so yeah, I am extre- extremely progressive. I've been a registered independent um, since the late 90s was the last time, I be- believe the 96 presidential campaign was the last time I was a registered Democrat. Um, but I just feel that both parties have really been uh, cap- captured by the corporate culture at the highest levels. So I take that sort of progressive mentality 
and um, put it to force at the community level because uh, Santa Monica is definitely like uh, any other uh, cutting edge modern um, corporation. I mean, when you look at the um, <laughs> when you look at the budget, which I have a lot the last two months, I mean, it is just a, a you know it would be a medium size uh, S and P five hundred company. Um, so it is a microcosm in big quotes of the um, political landscape as a whole, and we should uh, break it down that way. So um, I'm big on the word compromise, especially in politics. So everybody's going to have to take a few steps towards one another instead of pu push pulling back away from each other. So if you're slow growth or slower growth, which we're, which I agree with, we've had tremendous levels of growth the last couple of decades. Um, you're going to have to tiptoe towards the fact that we also need um, we need to continue to grow at some level. We need to have um, investment in our real estate sectors, um, in the entertainment sector, in the technology sector. We need to have these companies come in. Um, we need to promote a, um, a, a community that is centralized and urban and somewhat dense. But I, I also agree with a lot of the community members, members I've talked to during my campaign who complain, again, in big quotes, about how dense it's gotten, how much more traffic there is. Um, not these past six months, but before then. And I listened to that as well. And, and there's, there is definitely truth in that. And we need to curtail and find creative ways to make that better, both traffic flow and the sense of community in the downtown area. Um, I think one of the fascinating aspects of this pandemic is that some of the big dense cities have had to rethink how they use their through spaces. And that's led to a lot of eye openings as to, oh, wow, this we should probably continue this into the future, no matter how long this lasts. And I agree with that thinking. We should have downtown roads, main street, sections of main street that at certain times of the day, no traffic's allowed. That creates an open an openness in the community. It's when everyone comes home, they're going to go for a walk in that area because it is completely safe because it is pedestrian friendly. There's a reason why Third Street Promenade was so spectacularly uh, um, popular in the 90s and the aughts. It's because it's this tremendous space where there was cars once, but now it's just people. So more of those. That's one idea of many. So uh, you mentioned AYSO and like, you know, I know as well as anyone's youth sports are, are can be highly political, but for most people <laughs> that might not be considered a political organization. So uh, and you mentioned congressional campaigns. Have you been involved in local politics, either you know, whether that's with SMUR or whether that's with the Neighborhood Association or what League of Women Voters? Like, have you had any uh, activity in the, the local political sphere? No, no, I followed it. Um, funny Smur, yes, exactly. Um, the Ocean Park community. Um, are, you, are you a member of the OPA Neighborhood no, Association? Never, that's, I've never been a member of the associations, um, which looking back now, I realize, why didn't you? I mean, you read read all the new letters, talk with people about it. Why wouldn't you just join? It would The the first answer that pops to the top of my head was time. You know, I was, was so busy trying to manage and grow my own business these last 10 years that you don't really feel that there's a whole lot of time for that. Um, but that's definitely something I um, regret without a doubt. And I'm going to change too. I was just speaking with someone last night after an interview with the League of Women Voters and said, no matter what comes of this campaign, win or lose, I'm definitely going to be more active at the local level because I realize there's a lot of power in that as well. And not just power, but 
what I've enjoyed so much is talking to people about these issues, and it's really energizing for me. And so I'm going absolutely going to continue that win or lose. So uh, you mentioned earlier sort of compromise and that, you know, that you're sensitive to the overdevelopment argument, but also some things do need to be built. Uh, there is a very specific list of projects coming down the pipeline. Um, of the projects coming down the pipeline, which ones should be built or are you opposed to any of them in specific? Um, I mean, Fifth and Arizona is the most intriguing to me because um, I, I have a general philosophy, which is when an outside, quote unquote, private enterprise sees a, a diamond in the rough and wants to purchase it and then develop it, then obviously there's something there. Um, so, you know, I don't, I'm not a lawyer and do have not memorized the uh, city charter. So I don't know if this would even be legal, but why can't we partner with a corporation on an asset currently owned by the city and maintain some level of both ownership and literally a seat at the table um, going forward? So instead of just giving up this tremendous resource and saying, oh, here, okay, go ahead and do what you'd like to do, because we all, I believe, would um, agree that in the past, developers have um, approved and then changed radically after approval. And I am frankly kind of sick and tired of that happening. Um, so I've uh, seen, and it's quite gorgeous, what has, what has been planned to be developed there so far, but I also envision it in that space and think, well, okay, for now, it's going to be open space. For now, they're talking about possible rooftop view access for the public. But we've all seen case after case, and not just here, but uh, Seattle, uh, San Francisco, uh, coast to coast, projects like this where it's going to be open public access. And then all of a sudden, uh, whether it's a couple years or five years down the road after opening, it's closed now. Things have changed. Sorry because you no longer have a seat at the table in the decision-making process. The owners do at that point. So if we maintain some level of ownership, um, that could uh, possibly uh, curtail that from happening. And also um, just to play the other side of the coin, which is a, you know, a, a mental task I'd love to do it all the time, just saying, we're, let's just put an open park there. I, I just push back hard on anyone who said that to me in discussions in Ralph's parking lots over the last two months. I'm just like, that, you know, I'm of, and I put this in writing, and I'm of the mind that we do, it is a stretch, I'm using that word specifically, to say that Santa Monica is a park poor city because we have a huge stretch of beach that I believe we do have to count as a park. So taking this fourth and Arizona. And we should just say for folks here who may not understand the nuance of what you're saying, like uh -huh. there is a technicality that says the beach doesn't count as a park when you're calculating open space yes. and open space for residents. Yes. There is a technicality in certain, and that would be that these types of uh, rigid, um, you, you have to use this ratio, you have to have these numbers type of laws and regulations are something I truly abhor. I think we're a sophisticated enough society uh, with the brain power to say these ratios should apply in this area, um, but it can be a different, there can be a gray area. We can statistically say 
this zone has 1.5 to 2.5 standard deviations from the mean in this cloud of numbers that it needs to do that. And I hope to work, hope to have the opportunity to work with politicians in Sacramento and in Washington, D.C. on changing these types of regulations so that they can work that way. Because just passing rigid numbers for everyone to go by is ludicrous to me. And, Matt, and it's so, just absolutely ludicrous. So, so if you're not, it's not, you know, you're you're let's say on the fence about the it's called the Plaza Project, right? You, you don't necessarily trust the current proposal, but a park isn't for you. So, more more discussion there. What about the Miramar, right? The Miramar has a has a large scale redevelopment proposed. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I followed it less, no less. So I you know want to say that right up front, um, but it's it definitely falls into that category um, for me of. Do we even need it? Um, you know, pri- private ownership, private development. I mean, if, if they think that it's a worthwhile um, investment to go forward, then that's saying something because they generally do um, have better analysis, better numbers, and uh, the, the definitely better than my single brain at uh, crunching that down and saying, yes, it'll be profitable going forward. But um, I would definitely argue that we need to press pause on all these things um, for now and through 2021 for sure. Um, What if this is just being pushed through because they have the financing? Uh, What if the financing falls away as it did with so many projects in the 2008 to 2010 um, real estate apocalypse? Um, I can, as someone with a, a substantial finance background, I could easily see that happening with this and several other of these large scale projects. And then for several years, it just becomes this partially um, done eyesore. Um, so I think it's good for us all to have uh, repeated discussions on these topics um, for the for both reasons that A, that's good, and B, this is just a, a tumultuous economic time right now and pushing forward with any type of massive, massive projects, um, pre-funded or not, um, is, uh, I think, not the best strategy, is the way I would put it. Gotcha. So, so going back to, orig- to the original point of this question, which is when you said there should be compromise between slow growth and some some growth, like, if where do you see the growth then, right? If you're, yeah. if, like, where where is it going to occur if it's not going to occur in these projects? Great, great question. Um, because you can't, you know, solutions, right? You can't just say, no, no, no. Then you, I always say, okay, you're telling me no, then give me a solution. So my solution is to you know, differentiate growth, to have an improved vision, a, a, uh, a newer type, so to speak. So I see, I look at a lot of the, I mean, the Expo line has been my dream for over two decades. I mean, I've, I joke with my friends that, you know, my train finally opened up. They finally opened up my train. I, one of my first jobs in Santa Monica was uh, for Savoy Pictures, shout out there, um, in the water garden. And we would look down, and this we would look down at the old expo line that was just open brushland at that point. And I would say to my coworkers, you know, that's where they're proposing to put up a train eventually. And they would just laugh at me, like that's that's ridiculous, Todd. No way. Yeah. Well, now it's there. So we have these um, uh, multi-story mixed-use buildings going up all around um, where it passes through Lincoln and other areas that are just fine. Um, but that was cutting edge architecturally 20 years ago. Um, I believe that going forward, 
um, in the next 20, 30 years, there's going to be a revolution in how space is used in the urban landscape. And I want to put Santa Monica out in the lead on that. So I want to see more creative designs. Um, I want to see more of a better use of space. Um, there's going to be a, a, a young creative class generation that's going to want to live in these types of environments. I'm talking about um, lesser square footage for personal private space. Uh, more shared and open communities. Um, with what I'm describing, sort of sounds like a hippie commune to some, then I'll, I'll smile and say, yeah, sure, you can think of it that way. But it's going to be a really modern, digital, connected hippie commune populated by people um, in doing uh, high-value jobs that are uh, both good for themselves and for their community. I'm talking about technology. I'm talking about health care. And they are going to appreciate having that type of uh, possibility of workspace. I've talked to dozens of um, people in this, in, of this type. I, I feel confident that we can have a, a, a different, new and creative architectural vision for zones within the downtown area. Gotcha. So that's, you know, we can talk about this more, but we're, you know, time is ticking away. So let's move, let's move on to other, other city council subjects for a second. Yeah. Um, yeah. So aside from development, there's other big topics out there. Like what, what, what do you think are the big, big challenges, big subjects? What do you think are the most important items that the city council needs to address January 1st? Well, Matt, I'm going to take this opportunity, and it is what the city council needs to address, and it's in everyone's top five, to uh, pitch my big, um, you know, one uh, from satellite view uh, idea solution um, that I would I would be personally um, most invested in, and that's working with Congressman Ted Lieu and others in Washington on starting, breaking ground on a project um, in the federal land space just east of our borders. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it's where the VA is. It's where that massive federal building is on Wilshire, just east of the 405. There's an entire complex of buildings and land that is wildly, grossly underutilized. Um, I, would, I would guess if you uh, went to Satellite View on Google Maps, you could probably estimate that close to 50% of it is just unused asphalt parking lot right now. So I have had a vision of, for years that's coalesced during this campaign. I've also almost come up with a catchy acronym for it. Um, building a veterans focused mental health institute as well as a homeless alleviation project um, where we take some of that land and build with with corporate help, you know, in in association with any type of corporation that would love the PR um, bonus points they would get in being involved in this type of project to build a facility there that will help and outreach to our veterans and to our homeless in the, in our community and give them a safe space, give them a, a, a space where they can have um, 700 square feet of, to themselves and then community resources downstairs. I'm envisioning, yes, a fairly uh, large five to seven story mixed use facility that is both medical, but also a, a place for people to have housing. Now, we all know that there 
are some people in our homeless community who they just that's that's their life. It's very difficult. And I, I've been involved in homeless outreach activities to convince some people that, hey, there's this safe resource you can go to that's there for you. They just no, they don't want to hear it for whatever reason, a lot of which has to do with their mental health condition. But they're also when I when I speak with individuals like this, they're also right when they say, you know, I don't feel safe going to that facility. I've heard of friends getting stabbed or assaulted there. It's I, so we need to build a a facility that has a reputation of of a draw of a draw to them to go to as a resource they want to take advantage of, and I think we can work together as a community, together with Los Angeles, uh, together with the County Board of Supervisors, together with the federal government and the state government of Sacramento to build a flagship facility that is something that both the community and the people who will, will scream NIMBY arguments to you until they're blue in the face will also say, well, yeah, that's actually a good use of that space. And wow, you know, I saw the mock-up for that and it looks fantastic. And we know it's going to be secure because there's going to be so much money spent about security around there. And that's a place where these people who I don't necessarily want to run into when I'm taking my granddaughter for a walk, they'll they'll want to go there and get help. Yeah, this is a good idea. So there you go. Uh, gotcha. Now, here's the thing about what you've just described. That's a great I'm not saying it's not a great project at all, but that project as described, has nothing to do with Santa Monica. It's outside city limits. It's on federal property. It's surrounded by someone else's jurisdiction. So what's the city council, what's Santa Monica city council going to do? That seems like a, that seems like the, a good idea for someone who's running for county supervisor. Yeah, but I mean, who, okay, that's correct. But someone's got to pick up this banner and march around to all those other armies and, and say, we need to do this. And no one else is doing it. At least not that I know of. If someone is, I'd love to be in touch with them and work together with them. So I understand Matt. I mean, that's a very good point. Um, but I would push back on the part of your counterpoint where you said it's not going to alleviate Santa Monica problems. I would say. Oh, no, I, I'm not saying it wouldn't it would alleviate problems here. Like for okay. sure. I, I absolutely think if you, you know, I'm not saying it wouldn't alleviate problems here. I, I, what I'm drilling down on is as a Santa Monica city council person, right. Yeah. And the, the priorities that residents might have, uh, I, I guess I'm questioning whether, the Santa Monica City Council would have enough sway or authority to make that project happen. Um, not that it's not a good project and not that right. it wouldn't alleviate issues here. Absolutely would. Uh, but just the in my head, oh, okay. I immediately think of all the mechanical problems and jurisdictional fights that will occur over that. Totally, totally. And, and you're making a great point. It's like, hey, Todd, nuts and bolts wise, what in the world can you do besides making some phone calls? Well, we, I can sit in city council chambers and recommend that we initiate, we set up a, a board to manage this. You know, we can, we can, we, we can as a council say we're going to work towards doing this. We think this is a good idea. That's about all we can do as a council. I agree. But just stating that will give myself and others who might also think this is a great idea and want to take up the charge, the mandate, so to speak, to, to do it and to go forward. And and I, I, I really feel strongly about that. It, it is would be a huge driver towards alleviating our homeless problem because we just, quite frankly, don't have the space to build something to alleviate our homeless problem in any meaningful way. And L.A. tried to do it with the project that is still sort of kind of in existence um, in, in the Venice area. 
the the but bridge housing project down there exactly. off of Main Street. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's running up against NIMBY roadblock after NIMBY roadblock, and you know, it's it's a it's it's a great resource um, that's much needed, but you know, <laughs> that's the space around there is just it's it's way too tight. Uh, you know. So, so you know, I get where you come from. Homelessness, huge crisis, big problem. That's a that's a very big idea, right? That's a big, that's not small ball. That's a big idea to solve homelessness. Um, for a lot of residents, they'll go back to they connect homelessness to safety. And you mentioned earlier, um, or you haven't mentioned yet in this call, I guess, a, a discussion about feeling safe and what it means to be safe and going out at night. Walking so, at night, do yeah. you? Do you connect public safety to homelessness? Do you think there's a correlation there between the safety people feel in the community and and the scale of the homeless problem? I'm definitely biased by where I live. Okay, let's put that out there. Um, you're in you're down in Ocean Park, right? Yeah, I'm at Sixth and Marine. So, gotcha. um, and I do a you know uh, Silicon Beach. You know, uh, I do a lot of work around there. I had a, had a lot of clients. Do do have some clients, so I'm I'm buzzing around that community all the time. And um, so visually, it's just changed, and um, that is uh, that's a concern for a lot of people. It's never bothered me that much. Um, like I said, you know, I've been involved in the homeless count in the past. Um, I'm doing census work right now. Um, so, you know, how the community is affected by just, um, visually, um, is important, I think for a lot of people. And I can empathize with that. Uh, So so you, you you said, mentioned earlier, AYSO, do you have kids? No. Gotcha. So, so do you personally feel safe walking through your neighborhood at 11 o'clock at night? So I would avoid walking down third street if I were going to Justa at 11 o'clock at night. Um, so there you go. And I am a fairly secure, um, I can protect myself, uh, 49 year old male. Um, so that's, uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. You know, um, all the, all insert all the woke terminology you want right there. Um, sure. but the, you know, that's, that's saying something because that and, and was so, the barometer. And, yeah. Go yeah ahead. Expanding that out. Do you, do you think there's a public safety problem in Santa Monica? Do you think the community is unsafe? I think there are zones where we have a, a public safety issue. I mean, I, I think just in your uh, in your daily email today, you know, machete wielding man, you know, I was like, wow, is this the start of an onion headline? No, no, this is happening. And then, you know, tragically, you know, we, we have a we have a mental health crisis going on in the world right now. And America is probably on the leading edge of that just because of what's happened over the last six plus months. So that's a tragedy in and of itself, but more to the point, this had already been slowly turning in this direction before the pandemic started. The pandemic just sped everything up and gave us five to 10 years in a blink. So yes, I mean, to you to answer your question point blank, it, it is a community safety issue and it is trending in the wrong direction in my opinion. The statistics could bear out otherwise, um, so I'd be interested to hear that from you, from our police professionals. Yeah, um, I mean, I, the, I the, at, the police department will say, and I'm not, I'm not disputing their statistics. I'm just saying what they, they're, they're, I think their most recent report uh, said that they've seen a 16% decrease in part one crimes, which are the most serious 
of crimes, right? But what was uh, the latest month on that? Because I, I, I pulled it up two weeks ago, but I can't remember. Yeah, I, I'd have to go and check. I'm just working off the top of my head. The last, the last, you know, recently, I think the number has been a 16 percent, and it was. I want to say it was 13 percent pre-COVID, um, and then it's declined a little bit more because there's just fewer people out. But I guess my my question is, regardless of what the figures say, it's voters are going to vote on how they feel, not what the spreadsheet tells them, and so. That's kind of where I'm. I'm going with this. Is like if, if do you? I mean, how big of an issue do you think public safety is? Do, do you think the city should be reevaluating the police department? Do you think the police department is equipped to handle the public safety challenges that we have at this point in time? We need to uh, refocus even more than it has been the police budget on that type of outreach. Um, mental health and safety. Uh, Last night during our our League of Women Voters roundtable with several candidates, um, lots of positive uh, thoughts and ideas were put out there and I agreed with all of them. And the the overarching one was that um, one um, current council member said uh, less gun uh, wearing police officers and and more um, armed with the ability to intervene in a mental health situation. And that's something I've been, you know, um, very uh, pro for for years because I have lots of people, uh, friends and family in the medical services arena. And that's just something that got slowly stripped away since the Ronald Reagan was president, just nationwide, that we just don't have those facilities anymore. And it wasn't always that way. And we can get back to a place where it is more that way because it is something the community needs as a resource. And our front lines there are the fantastic men and women of the SMPD. I mean, they have done a great job. They are, I believe, a tremendously valuable resource in our, in our community and should be commended for the job they've done in a wide variety of things over this year. You know, a lot of people have complained about what occurred at the end of May. And when I met with the police department, and I wanna stay right here with you today on this call, Matt, I think they did a fantastic job. I think that situation could have been much worse. As someone who survived the riots in LA of the early 90s and who was there the day the first AME church opened up in Compton to help start cleaning up, it could have been much worse. And they took a situation that was extremely volatile and made it okay as quickly as possible. So a tremendous number of people are going to disagree with that assessment. Absolutely. Right? Yep. And so I, I threw myself in front of a train right there. No, I mean, it's, I, I mean there are some people I think who would, who would, I think there's a difference. They're friends between, of mine. They're friends of mine who were there yeah. protesting on Montana who but, said, Todd, you're wrong. They should have de- redeployed and they could have stopped all of that. Yeah, yeah, and, and I guess there's some nuance. That. There's some nuance between it could have been a lot worse because it absolutely could have been. No one, no one died, right? And at a bare minimum, at nobody died, and that isn't that bare of a minimum, but that is absolutely true. Nobody died. Uh, serious injuries, sort of life-threatening injuries, were minimum to none. Not that nobody was hurt. I have, was, I have a good friend who was at his offices on Third Street Promenade and had to endure. And still, I'm sure, suffers from some level of PTSD, the fact that he was in there while people were attempting to break in and burn down his property. I mean, sure. that's horrible. So, so but, that, but they didn't burn down his property, right? And so oh. I, I'm not saying that, it, yes, it absolutely could have been worse. However, the I, I think the, the dispute would be with the notion that they did a great job. Like, just because it wasn't horrific doesn't mean it was good. And, and so... 
I just I'm I when you are saying that they did a good job, like what is it that specifically that you think went well about the police response that day? Having the a temperament to not attempt to break up violence with more violence. That's something that's rare, quite frankly. And I think it's something that if you follow national politics, we've seen gone horrendously wrong in other cities. Um, you know, so I'm not going to name cities. We all know who they are and we all know the players who are involved and who's pushing what buttons and, um, it, all I'll say is it's horrific and violence is abhorrent. So just the fact that these professionals acted in a very professional manner to me is comp- commendable. Gotcha. And so um, sticking with the, the business theme for a second here, do you think – how do you rate the city's efforts at this point to help businesses – in this difficult time. And that includes the businesses who were looted and, and had property destruction and the broader business community that's suffering from COVID, right? We kind of had these overlapping dovetail disasters. And while the, they're both separate, the end result is kind of the same. Businesses have closed and there's a lack of customers. So what, how do you rate the city's efforts to, at this point to help businesses recover and what more needs to be done? Second part first, free parking. Um, I know it's, it sounds ridiculous, but uh, referencing once again my friends in the business community, um, particularly in the downtown area, um, you know, it's it's a small thing, but it, it should be it should be free, and we should be enticing people to come on down and use it. Um, so, I, I, how, what, what can you? It's the second, the first part, second now. What can you do? What, what more can be done? Um, how much, how much in loans can the city council um, both secure and then loan out to help the small businesses? Um, that's something I can't answer here today. But I, I, I would myself, uh, when elected, um, and I would hope that the city council going forward, I'm confident they will, um, will do their most utmost to try and secure those funds and have them loan out to. Lo- locally owned and operated businesses. I don't think, you know, this may go without saying, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't think we should emphasize helping out um, companies that don't have an immediate tie to the community, you know, aren't owned locally. Um, you know, I, I don't think we need to, to help a, a large corporation's uh, satellite office here that employs people who commute in from the other vibrant and wonderful cities that surround us. Um, to survive. So, um, you know, we have to keep uh, as, as many businesses open as possible to keep the, the tax base strong, that's for sure. But that's that's going to happen, Matt, I believe, organically without that much input from the Santa Monica City Council. We're, we, we are a large and powerful entity, but we don't have the force to change the direction of an economy the size of Southern California. Gotcha. Um, so in terms of other, you know, big picture topics in the city, right? We've got public safety. We've talked about that a little bit. We've got some development. Talked about that a little bit. Obviously, we've, we've heard your pitch on homelessness. You know, what's, what else is out there? Is there, is there, any, is there another issue that you want uh, residents to know your thoughts on? Um, 
there are a lot of en environmental proposals spinning around in my brain that um, I've written down that I'll be, I'll be recording. Um, am, I, am I allowed to mention my website? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, okay. I'll be, re be recording and putting up on uh, stopbeingshocked.com. That's stopbeingshocked.com. Um, just a little uh, YouTube uh, vloglets. So nothing that long, so you won't fall asleep or anything, and they'll have uh, you know subject lines pertaining to it. But you know we're we're going to be literally on the flooding edge of the um, tsunami. How you know how many references can I make in one sentence of climate change that is coming in the next fifty years? So the city's done a good job of keeping out in front of that. Um, you know the, the the fact that we're almost water independent. I don't know how close we are. Um, I know that we're a lot closer than other communities, and that's a good thing. Um, but I'm like, I'm like, wow's you know how far out there is Todd out there? And you know some of my initiative ideas, like uh, I, it's just it's just science that if you change the color from um, black to something brighter, you're you're going to change the climate of the area. So we need to save our tree-lined streets and, and improve them vastly. Um, we need to, to green up the space as much as possible. And we, we also need to just make our community as literally cool to the touch as possible. Just look at it as this big heating pad that is sizzling right now under the sun. The sun's not going anywhere. And sadly, folks, I don't think we're going to be able to reverse climate change at this point. So we have to do everything in our power to make it hit us a little less hard than it's going to hit everyone else. So those are a couple of ideas that will work, and they're, they're nothing original, but we need to start, everybody start thinking this way, and then once you see that the uh, asphalt is going to be changing color on Main Street and every other side street that we repair, understand that that's why we're doing it. Does that seem crazy to you, Matt? No, I, I, get, I get where you're coming from on that. Okay. Um, cool. So the, I'll say this. So we're, we're, we're getting to 40, 40, Couple ish minutes. minutes here. Um, yeah. So, we got other things to do. Uh, yeah, but you know, it's important we give <laughs> you a chance. So, <laughs> why don't you take take a couple minutes and uh, give us your stump speech? Give us your closing statement. Your like, what you know? Why should we vote for Todd? Stump speeches. Well, I'm not running for president. I don't need a stump speech for city council. I mean, you should vote for me for the um, just absolutely wild and wonderful ideas that I've been espousing for the last uh, 45 minutes. That. You know, everyone I spoke to um, and in, in gathering, I, I think I gathered uh, close to 100 signatures um, and I had to have spoken to at least 500 plus people. Um, and I never, you know, it, people who obviously weren't Santa Monica residents would just move on quickly. So a fairly small but significant sample size of, of folks at uh, various locations from the uh, Venice Ralphs up to the Pavilions Ralphs, right on through to the corridor of Santa Monica and Wilshire and Montana, all those places. Everyone mentioned that um, they were just tired of the city council's decisions. And my goodness, it, you know, just this person or that person. And I mean, I am a, a defender of anyone who takes on this tremendously difficult job of, of attempting to represent the community. Um, so I'm not going to disparage anybody else who has run, is running, has sat or is sitting on the council. It's just not appropriate. But folks, if you really want to see change, then you first step is to vote for someone who hasn't taken a crack at this uh, problem, this um, 
idea set, this uh, opportunity for change yet. So if you're wondering why is Todd running, what experience does Todd have doing any of this? Well, um, not a whole lot directly, but I think if you've listened to me even just a little bit or end up with a, a couple minutes of expertly edited uh, dialogue between Matt and myself over the course of this call, you'll realize that I have thought about these things. I do have good ideas. I will be listening for everyone's input because frankly, I enjoy it and it's an integral part of this process. So if, if you want change for the better, I think I'm the person that you might want to consider voting for. Thanks for listening to the Santa Monica Politics Podcast, powered by the Santa Monica Daily Press. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Music for the Santa Monica Politics Podcast is provided by The Brig Band. The Brig Band is an L.A. jam band that's been playing on the West Side since 2002. Their regular members and guests have played professionally with everyone from Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, and Stevie Wonder to The Doors, Fishbone, and Steely Dan. If you want to find out where they're playing next, go to thebrigband.com. Thank you.